So it's time to break out your big box of isobars. Here's Andre. Hey everybody, it is Pie Day. I love pie for more reasons than one. Of course, I'm talking about the pastry variety, but... It is really the mathematical variety. It's 314, 3.14. March 14th is Pi Day. More on that in just a second. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, and a whole lot more. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. And this is episode number 307 for Monday, March 14th, 2022. And the thought just hit me that it would have been very fun to time it so that this was episode number 314 for March 14th on this 3.14 Pi Day, but it is, in fact, episode number 307. We're seven shy, but seven's a great number. It's a heavenly number of completeness. So I guess in that regard, we will have to make that work for today. Well, coming up in just a little bit, we will return with part two of our conversation with Neil Manasa, who recently has developed quite an interest in beekeeping. He is the purveyor of a lot of interesting facts about bees. And again, we'll return to that conversation that we began on Open Line Friday just a few days ago. More on that in just a little bit. But before we take a break, I do want to take a very interesting look at the number pi. Now, Scott Sable, our morning meteorologist at Fox 8, has memorized 100-plus digits, in other words, places past the point, 3.141592, etc., etc. He has that memorized out to more than 100 places, I would imagine, by now. He did it on the air, live one year, to 100 places, while on the bottom of the screen, which he could not see, they scrolled the digits as he recited them. It was quite a remarkable feat. And perhaps by now he's gone more than 100. We'll have to ask him the next time that uh, we have Scott as a guest. But Scott did put something interesting on his Instagram account. And for those who like to follow people on Instagram, I highly recommend it. And his handle, in case you want to look him up, is Scott Sable Picks. Let me spell that for you, just in case there's any question. S-C-O-T-T-S-A-B-O-L-P-I-C-S. Scott Sable Picks. 
And this morning, he posted something on Pi, which was really fascinating. Let me share it with you before we take a break. He says, the world record for Pi calculation is now 62.8 trillion digits past the decimal point. By the way, world record for memorizing Pi is officially 70,000 places. However, there is word that uh, some folks have done it out to 100 digits. But why should the rest of us really care? Well, Pi is present in literally every aspect of our lives, whether we know it or not. Pi 3.14 is used in most calculation in the development of literally all the world's infrastructure. All communications, CAT scans, MRI machines, genetic research, propulsion systems, which include space and military aircraft, quantum physics, and the list goes on and on. Famous scientific discoveries and the math that describes them incorporate pi. For instance, the calculation for determining the horsepower of your car has, yep, you got it, pi, right in there. Einstein's famous equation from special relativity in 1905 that described relativity, which is now directly applied in satellite calibration since pi is in it. Here it is in its very simple form. The math that determines electric force or electricity includes I. How about the speed and volume of blood flow inside the first artificial heart? Yep, that's right, pi. That's included in that calculation. Would you like to figure out the position of two planets nearest to the Earth? Well, you need pi to do that. Radio communications, cell phones, GPS satellites, computer hard drive and processor technology were all developed using the mathematics that incorporates, uh-huh, the number pi. Airlines use pi to calculate flying distances around the Earth. Manufacturing uses pi to figure out how much of a substance will fit into a volume of a cylinder or a cylindrical space. You want to figure out how much of a radar beam during a weather event is reflected back to the radar, which helps determine the type of precipitation falling? Well, you've got to use pi in that equation in order to properly interpret the data. By the way, you only need 39 digits of pi to calculate the circumference of the observable universe, which, by the way, is estimated at 46 billion light years across, to an accuracy of the diameter of a single hydrogen atom. No kidding. So you may not like math. You may not get pi 3.14. Just remember, though, that 3.1415926, etc., etc., is integrated into our everyday life, unlike any other number. Without it, your daily life, uh huh, would be totally, totally different. That's posted on Scott Sable's Instagram post for today. He always observes Pi Day, March 14, 314, or 3. Point one four. Very cool stuff. Thanks, Scott. Well, when we return, we will have part two of the conversation that we started on Friday 
with beekeeper Neil Manasa in Northern Virginia. Don't go away. This is a brand new venture then for you. You've had uh, your hive now for how long has it been? Almost a year. Coming up, coming up on one year. Or, mm-hmm. or should I say 51 years, but no, yeah. one, year. <laughs> one year. How long does it take to establish that hive? Well, they say you're not supposed to take honey out of a hive for the first two years. Okay. You really want to get the hive established. Now, a lot has changed for the worse, mm-hmm. for the detriment of the bees in the last 50 years of, of me looking at bees. And that is um, North America was... Um, was not native to the American honeybee. Uh, well, they, it, it's not even called the American honeybee. It's an Italian honeybee. And okay. um, they, the bees were not native to America. They were brought over here in the, by the colonialists in 1622. Matter of fact, the Native Americans called bees the white men's biting flies oh. because of the sting. You know, if you stuck your hand in and, and irritated right. the hive, you'd get stung. So the, the Native Americans called bees the white man's uh, biting flies. Mm. So um, they were brought over um, for, their, for their purpose. Uh, and, and so the, the bees were from then until about 30 years ago, not prone to any disease, not they were just happy mm-hmm. and they were surviving just beautifully. And then mm-hmm. from Asia came the Varroa mite. The Varroa mite is this pest, pestilence for the bees. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. teeny, you can see it with the naked eye. Uh, it's very, very small. Think of it as a bee tick. And mm. these things have a way of climbing onto the back of a bee and it's 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 like me putting a tick in the center of the small of your back. You couldn't Ooh, get to it. Okay. You can't get to yeah. it. You just can't get it off of you. Same thing. The varroa right. mite knows exactly where the bee is susceptible. It goes and burrows in there, and and they uh, found that this thing feasts on the fat layer of the bee, and so this thing can do genetic damage to the beehive. It actually climbs into the cells with the larva and oh. eats the larva and actually mates in the cell and produces more varroa mites before the bee has a chance to emerge. So mm-hmm. um, this mite came to America uh, and it just decimated the American beehives. And so now we fight uh, uh, we treat aggressively to get rid of these mites out of our hives. And, you know, and it's kind of like, um, no matter how hard we try, it's still there because mm-hmm. bees like to wander. And all it takes is one wild feral bee to wander into our hives. Oh, and here, look what I brought. <laughs> I brought you something. Oh, and they bring oh in the varroa mite. And the varroa mite is a voracious reproducer. It just, it, it can just travel right through the hive. So, mm. so how do you treat something like that? Well, there must be we ways. We treat it naturally with natural occurring mm-hmm. substances. The, the 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 green leafy uh, things like uh, spinach and kale and things like that have a substance called oxalic acid, which is mm-hmm. what they actually use for wood bleach. 
they use oxalic acid. Well, oxalic acid uh, can be um, powder form, vaporized, and when it's vaporized, it becomes a white cloud. And mm. um, bees don't have lungs like humans do. If you were to breathe this vapor, it would almost be you know, like a gas chamber kind of thing. It would really mess you up inside. But uh, the bees can breathe this stuff. It then actually clouds and settles and crystallizes inside of the entire hive, all the cells. These uh, crystals okay. are, to the mite, razor sharp. Ooh. So mm-hmm. all the bees have to do is brush the mite up against the walls of the hive, the walls of the comb, and the bee gets, the mite gets cut and has no clotting feature. Oh, so okay. it just perishes. And so uh-huh. what the beekeeper does is we will vaporize a hive with oxalic acid. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. go back uh, six days later and do it again. Go back six days later and do it. Why are we doing this every, you know, so many days is because we know the life cycle of the cells inside the beehive. You know, the life mm-hmm. cycle of once the egg is laid to the time the bee comes out could be as much as like 28 days. Uh, if it's a, it's, a, it's a drone bee, a male bee, it's, it's a little bit longer. So what we'll do is we'll vaporize for mites, killing all the mites that are on the comb. And, mm. but, you know, two days later, Hey, some mites came out of the, out of the capped larva. Mm-hmm. So we'll vaporize again, kill those. And a couple days later, mm-hmm. vaporize again, kill those. And, and so, after a series of treatments, we have eradicated the hives. In apiary, uh, apiaries check for this. They they have uh, tests so they can shake certain bees out and see what falls through a sieve cup, and they can kind of see dead mites or whatever, and they can mm-hmm. check for this. And so, this came to America and just it just wiped us out. It just wiped out the American bee. Right. And, you know, and we remember day, we're running stories. Yeah. Remember seeing stories uh, on on uh, all of the newscast how the uh, the bee population was in great danger. And obviously, you don't want that to happen because then your food source starts to suffer right. uh, along the same lines. So uh, it sounds like I'm grateful that a natural substance has come along uh, to help beekeeper to help the bees. Now there are, there are regulations with transporting bees. Um, mm-hmm. I live in Northern Virginia. I live seven miles from West Virginia. Um, if I did a couple of things, I would have to be regulated. So like if I mm-hmm. sold, if I sold my honey, I can sell up to a certain number of gallons a year, but or pounds. If I sold more than like 150 pounds of honey a year, I would have to have my hives inspected to make sure that they are clean vermin free mm-hmm. um in in uh, up this up the far so if mm-hmm. i were to take any of my hives to the apple orchards in west virginia the moment i have crossed state lines i have to have a u.s department of agricultural uh representative uh-huh. of my state certify uh-huh. that the hive is clean and can mm-hmm. be transported across state lines if i were to raise queen bees for sale I would have to have um, a state apiarist come in and certify that she has seen my operation and that uh, my 
queens are certified clean queens. So there are some regulations. Most, most times you're not regulated as a beekeeper. There are about 210,000 uh, beekeepers in America right now. So we're pretty much unregulated as long as we do our best to keep bees going. Mm-hmm. So the last question yeah. uh, to you is uh, what have you done or what do you do or what do you plan to do with some of the honey that's uh, coming from your hives? Have you done anything with them in particular that you like doing with the, with the well, honey? Well, rule number one is you always give your neighbors honey. Mm-hmm. That's always a good idea. And you always tell your yeah. neighbors when you give them the honey, this honey contains everything you've sprayed on your plants. Here, mm. enjoy. Mm. Wow. It keeps, yeah. your, keeps your neighbors in a natural state of as mm-hmm. well. So you give your neighbors mm-hmm. honey because uh, it's one way of having your neighbors be part of your beekeeping adventure. How are your bees? How do they do? How's the honey? Oh, is there going to be more honey this fall? Oh, that's great. You know, and, and so rule number one is, uh, you know, keep, a happy neighbor is, is the best thing you want is you want your neighbors mm-hmm. to be happy. Um, and the other thing is you want to make sure that you're going into your seasons correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the summer season is again, that's that's the boom times of a hive, but come August, okay. What happens in August? The heat, the heat is here. Where are the flowers? They're gone, mm-hmm. and so now we're in a in a, a, a time period called dearth. Dearth mm, is like okay. uh, there's no flowers. There's no nectar. Beekeeper then takes granulated sugar. And water mixes them up and mm-hmm. puts these big giant containers out and the bees feed off of that. Bring that mm-hmm. back to the hive. Make sure that the beekeeper makes sure that they have uh, food. They've got water because those are the two things they need. So, uh, and then uh, in the, that's the summer of the fall. You just make sure that everything's ready. You know, you know, in the, in the winter time, when you expel um, when you breathe, you see frost in your breath. Same mm-hmm. thing with bees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, 20,000 okay. little bees are, they're, they're, they're exhaling and there's water vapor in their breath too. That rises up to the top of the hive, hits the cold, cold top, freezes under the hive. Now inside the, the, it can be very, very cold outside. It can be 20 degrees outside. Inside the hive is about 90 degrees. Oh wow! They, That's a huge difference. They congregate. They congregate into a big, massive ball on the inside, mm-hmm. the queen, keeping the queen like a big electric blanket, nice and nice mm-hmm. and cozy, nice and warm. But that warmth goes up to the top of the hive, melts the frost that was up there, and so now the hive can have rain inside the hive. Not a good thing mm-hmm. because water. Um, can start a process of mold. And mm-hmm. the other thing in the fall beekeepers want to do is make sure uh, mice don't get in your hive because mice love a warm beehive. Plus, built-in pantry, honey. 
Right. They, a mice right. will ju- a mouse will just go you just burrow right through a hive and and take it take it uh, you don't want to be you want to see a mouse in your hive. So we what about bears? You know, bear. You often see the, the cartoon characters of bears getting into uh, a, a honeycomb or a honey or a hive and just having at it. Bears, is that an issue? It is an issue anywhere that there's bears. So in okay. Virginia, we have bears. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know if you've got a, we've never had a bear, but you know if you do get a bear because they will smash a hive to the ground and eat the whole hive in one night. I mean, eat the oh, whole. Wow. They'll eat the wax. They'll eat the the honey. They'll eat the bees. They'll the larva is protein, so they will they will wipe out a hive in one night. Um, wow! Matter of fact, I was walking on the land next to mine uh, with with my brother in law, and um, he and I were were following something we couldn't explain. We were seeing these other bees, these feral bees. We we're trying to track it back, and Sure enough, we come upon 35 beehives parked on the land next to ours. And, and we looked them up where they came from. They had, uh, the Department of Agricultural stickers on them and we tracked mm-hmm. the owner down. And it's one of these guys that, that transport hives to apple orchards and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I called him up hoping <clears throat> to adopt his bees because they were in really bad shape. And he asks me, uh, do you see any bears? Do you, do you see any any uh, any evidence of bears? You know, and I said, uh, no. He goes, oh, good, because they're there. He says, be careful. They're they're out there. And so, what we would do if we knew that there was a bear in the woods, we would um, actually electrofence around the hive. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you you actually you put an electric fence up and you drape bacon over the electric fence. And the bear gets the message very, very quickly not to go in. So, wow. Wow. But the bees take care of the hive themselves. You know, uh, remember when we were kids, uh, your father and mother would take a trip to the beach or take a trip to the shore. What's the first thing the kid always says? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right. Are we there mm-hmm. yet? You know, that mm-hmm. bees will, uh, you know, and, and I have to use the bathroom. Hold it would be the parent, you know, hold it. Well, you know, the same thing with bees. They will not go in the hive ah, okay. for the entire winter. Oh, my goodness. You got to be kidding me. No. Wow. They are very clean. They will not, yeah. they will not pollute the hive. Mm-hmm. If there's honey there, there's no, there's no other thing. Yeah. Into those things. However, you get a nice balmy warm day. And all of a sudden, the bees just fly out of the hive and do what's called a cleansing flight. And you go mm-hmm. and you see all these little yellow droplets all over the snow. And you know that the bees, you know, are we there yet? Are we there? I have to use the bathroom, you know, and boom, they'll do that on a warm, sunny day in the middle of winter. I'll be. They won't use the hive. So just another fun fact. Well, we're going to check in with you periodically. If that's okay. We'll have you as a returning guest, and you can tell us how uh, how, my, how things are. How my garden is doing? I I'm hoping yes, big things for my garden this year. What's new in your garden? Because you always have something new that you're working well, on. Well, um, I I um I got some I got some seeds from a friend a couple of years ago. Uh, he sent me a, a, a 
a gift certificate to a seed company that we both like. And I, I ordered English cucumbers. English cucumbers are those really long, thin-skinned ones that you're... Mm-hmm. I don't eat cucumbers, but my wife loves them. And they're the long, thin ones that you don't have to peel. And I used up all the seeds but one. And last mm-hmm. year, I had one <laughs> seed left, and she really wanted these cucumbers. So I planted it. It survived. It came up. Ooh. Bees must have mm-hmm. pollinated the plant really well because I had a bunch of cucumbers. And I was dabbling in saving seeds. I got the book called The the Seed Saver's Handbook. And so mm-hmm. I knew how to try to propagate the the plant. And I got a bunch of I got I harvested about 300 seeds. Wow. I was down to one seed. And I, <laughs> I, I propagated 300 seeds. And I put five of them in my little peat pots. And all five this year came out. Hey. <clears throat> All right. So turn those Excellent. over to the bees. Let them do their thing that bees do. Mm-hmm. And we will have a bumper crop. I, I hope to return the favor to God and have such a bountiful harvest that mm. I can harvest it and give it to the people who need the food. That's my, that's Ooh, my there goal you go. for the summer. So the Italians call, uh, there's a, uh, there's a name for it in Italian. The, the big long cucumbers that you, you don't have to peel. They call them, and it's probably the same variety, or at least uh, maybe associated with them uh, somehow. They call them kakutsas, kakutskas, kakutskas. Yeah. yeah, and these big long things, and it's like wow. Well, I, I, and they're tasty I too. One that that uh, would curl like a corkscrew <laughs> as it. Wow. And that was not popular in my house. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a my little, little bit more difficult. Long, to, yeah. long tapered ones. Yeah. You know? So those are a little easier to work with in the kitchen, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just remember the honeybee. Um, it works for man. It's, it's God's gift to man. And without the honeybee, there'd be no man. Uh, and mm-hmm. think about that. And, and, uh, and I know you asked me about uh, HOAs before we got started. Very interesting thing. Um, HOAs are, are homeowners associations, you know, H mm-hmm. home O owners, a associate homeowners association. And a lot of times they'll have regulations that say no bees, you know, no bees. But if they understood, uh, that bees really are like little teeny happy go lucky puppies that don't want to bother you in as long as you're mm-hmm. not bothering them. They're not going to bother you. So do you know that if you're standing in front of your hive and in the entrance is like two feet off the ground, um, they're sitting mm-hmm. on a pedestal and, the, and you see a bee come out of the hive and take off. By the time they've gone four feet straight forward, they've gone six feet high. So mm-hmm. by and large, mm-hmm. they're above a person's head by the time you're even close to the hive. Oh, and wow. so, um, there are HOAs that say, sure, you can have honeybees. And a lot of people put them in the yard. You know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So they, uh, they have their quiet hives. And by the time people find out, you got, you got beehives? I've had hives for four years. Has it bothered you? Oh, uh, no. Well, here, have it. Perfect. Have a mm-hmm. jar of honey. 
Mm. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's okay. It's okay. Gee whiz, I get free honey. That's pretty nice. So that's called sweetening the deal. Sweetening the deal. That's right. Well, mm. I, I mm. hope I hope to learn. I now I'm also a, a scratch baker, so I hope to incorporate our honey into various recipes. And I will be checking back with your podcast. So if your people have a surefire recipe for a honey recipe, Mm -hmm. I will try it. And I will let you know how it works. Will it be okay if I share your email address in the show notes so that people can email you if, in fact, they have a recipe that includes honey? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Yes. Done. That'd be great. That would be great. Now, what am I going to, what am I opening myself up to here? I, uh, 50,000 emails. I hope not, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, honey recipes for bread or rolls or, mm-hmm. or even sauces. I know Ooh, your brother, yeah. your brother is quite, quite a chef. Maybe he can share a honey glaze or something with me. That would be great. Well, I know he listens to the podcast, so Denny, and he's been on the podcast plenty. Um, Uh, 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 Honey Glaze would be marvelous. Okay. Denny, you have your marching orders from Neil, a Honey Glaze. Uh, All right. (laughs) So look look for an email from him, I'm sure. The the other thing I I, I recommend people is if if you're interested in bees, there are so many nonprofit people. Beekeeping organizations out there, just contact them. They love mm-hmm. to hear from people and they will take you in and teach you everything you want to know about. They'll teach you more than you want to know about bees. So mm-hmm. now I'm bit. I'm, I'm, I'm stung <laughs> with, 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 with bee information and I can't. Pun intended. And, and I, I, uh, I plan on, on splitting my hives. I'm planning on catching mm-hmm. wild swarms and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. planning on within the next year or two having maybe three to five hives. I have one. I hope to have five hives within a year. So we will check in with you periodically as as your hives grow. Great, great. I appreciate. It. Thanks, Neil. All right. Thanks for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, and if if anybody has any questions, share my email, and I'll get to an answer one way or another. Bees are really fascinating, fascinating insects. The honeybee in particular, very docile and certainly very productive, not only for themselves, but also for the humans around them. Aren't you glad we have honeybees? Hope you enjoyed today's episode and help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence, social media, by email, word of mouth, etc. Just whatever way you can especially if you know somebody that would benefit from today's discussion about honeybees. By the way, if you have a question, topic suggestion, I welcome your input. You can reach me anytime through email, and that address is weatherjazz at yahoo.com. But you can also leave me a voicemail message on the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That number is 234-525-5888. And if you're on the road or maybe on a jog and you can't take that info down, 
Don't worry about it. Just go to weatherjazz.com. Click on the Contacts tab at the very top, and all of that information will be there for you right at your fingertips. Well, we have Science Wednesday coming around. We'll continue our tour of the solar system, its oddities, and its beauty in just a couple of days. Right here on Weather Jazz, we'll see you then. Weather and science across the globe.